Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.purevoice.com forward slash QGF. This educational activity is supported by an independent educational grant from Vive Healthcare. Vive Healthcare was not involved in the development of content or the selection of faculty for this educational activity. Welcome to this Pure Voice panel discussion on HIV. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professors Laura Waters, Giovanni Garaldi, and Jens Lundgren. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, I'm Laura Waters. I'm an HIV clinician at Central and Northwest London NHS Trust in London, and welcome to this activity on metabolic health in people living with HIV. I'm delighted to be joined by two colleagues, Giovanni Garaldi from the University of Modena and Reggio Emilia in Modena, Italy, and Jens Lundgren from the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. So historically, those of you who've been around longer, you and people who were living with HIV in the earlier years of the epidemic will recall that it was HIV-related weight loss and antiretroviral-related lipoatrophy that were the main concerns. So why are we so worried about weight gain for people living with HIV today? Now, the world is gaining weight. We live in an obesogenic society, and that, of course, includes people living with HIV. We know that excess weight is associated with a number of negative health impacts, including metabolic syndrome, an increased risk of some cancers, joint disease, not to mention the impact on self-esteem and quality of life. Understanding the impact of HIV treatment initiation and switch, including the impact of return to health at initiation, but also the impact of specific drugs, if any, is critical especially if somebody experiences weight change that they perceive to be drug-related, that could impact their adherence. So let's move on to establish the causes of weight gain in people with HIV, and I'll hand over to Giovanni and Jens to talk us through some key data. Well, first of all, Laura, recognise that weight gain is a risk factor for obesity, which itself is a pathological condition that has been associated with increased inflammation, altered lipid and glucose metabolism, and also ectopic lipid and fat accumulation. But the causes of weight gain and obesity are multifactorial in nature. We can recognise individual-related causes, HIV, and treatment-related causes as well. With regard to individual one, this may affect all population. You said already that we live in an obesogenic environment. These include age, sex, ethnicity, and most of all, lifestyle and baseline BMI. But of course, we need to look something which is more HIV-specific. We know that the weight gain may be associated with the difference in inflammatory biomarkers in change in the microbiome or even symptomatic HIV disease. Of course, now big concern relates to the association between art exposure and altered adipose tissue distribution and also quality, as well as specific drug classes that may have been associated with weight gains, but also other treatment for comorbidities may have a particular impact. So this is an important study from Inair Court on, uh, that focuses uh, among people who's ART naive 
uh, and who initiate a third regiment uh, of either non-nucleoside, a PI, or an integrated inhibitor combination uh, uh, treatment together with two nucleoside analogs. Uh, these patients were followed from early 2007 to uh, 2016. Uh, as you can quite clearly see from this trial, which is also cooperated by a number of other trials, there is a excess gain in weight uh, associated uh, with uh, people who are starting integration inhibitors uh, 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 more so uh, than those who were started on PI and less on, on non-nucleosides. Uh, and you can also see on the left here that uh, the weight gain is seen uh, for each of the uh, integration inhibitors, but in particular, Valtegavir and Dolotegavir. Paul Sachs uh, did a meta-analysis of eight randomized trials where these observations was confirmed. But in addition, he also found uh, a quite uh, striking difference uh, uh, with more weight gain in women compared to men, uh, but also more weight gain in blacks compared to non-blacks. Let us move now to the setting of antiretroviral experience individual. In this pool analysis of 12 randomized active control studies that enrolled virological suppressed people living with HIV, body weight was measured at least 12 weeks, a follow-up duration of 48 weeks after switch. You can see that in the left feature, figure, People living with HIV to, who switched to INSTI or remained to PI, at 48 weeks there was no significant weight change between the group. While if you look in detail which INSTI was used, a difference in weight gain is present comparing LVTegravir with BICTegravir, but no different comparing BICTegravir with DOLUTegravir in the right figure. We must uh, therefore acknowledge that these studies actually did not consider what was the baseline metabolic condition at the time of switch, which in fact may also have been the reason why switching. So in a study that we conducted at Modern HIV Metabolic Clinic, we analyzed 1,100 INSTI switcher and 1,400 match INSTI naive. Figure RA shows the weight trend in the whole population, which contributed to 54,800 observations and figure B in the subset of uh, non-diabetic contributing 36,000 observations, while figure 3 depicts uh, the subset of metabolic healthy people that were defined as having OMA less than 2 and contributed to 5,200 observations. You can see that the trend for weight increase in figure A and B were significantly higher in early insti-switch compared to the non-switcher, but no different were observed in the late period after switch, exactly after one year period. And the initial slope of weight gain in panel A and B was no more present in panel C, which shows people with no baseline metabolic alteration, somehow suggesting that this phenomenon was not present in people who did not have any metabolic alteration and had a normal insulin resistance. We therefore look at the relationship between INSTI and HOMA in a COX proportional hazard model and INSTI exposure in fact reduced insulin resistance risk by 30%. 
but we then perform a mediation analysis. And uh, in the right figure, you can see that a weight increase by 1% reduced the total protective effect of INSTI by 21% over one year follow-up. And so somehow this uh, suggests that uh, the 5% weight increase is clinically meaningful and can be considered as, uh, let us say, a, an outcome of potential metabolic consequences. Thank you. So we have a few minutes for some discussion now. So I think, Giovanni, we'll start here. You've just demonstrated that when it comes to INSTEs, a 5% weight gain is associated with you know, elimination of the protective effect in terms of insulin sensitivity. So you know, I guess moving on from that, how much weight gain is normal? 5% isn't, but we know people do gain weight each year. Is there a percentage or a kilogram change annually that you think is clinically important? So I believe, Laura, that this really depends what your initial weight. What I'm very much concerned is any weight increase that brings you into the obesity setting, because obesity, in my opinion, is a disease condition per se. And so the first point I would like to stress is that we need to get into individual uh, let us say assessment and try to say well according to where you start from this weight gain is significant but also consider that really matters what your metabolic health at the time in which you gain weight or not because this makes uh, the different chances to gain weight but also different chances to have a metabolic consequence about that. And Jens, what is the typical annual weight gain in your part of the world? Obviously, it varies. I think the UK is closer to the US than some uh, parts of Europe. But what's the typical gain in, in Denmark? <laughs> That's a good question, Laura. Uh, I guess it's around a kilo per year older, uh, maybe probably less than that. Uh, but it's, it's an important discussion that you're raising here in terms of uh, trying to appreciate that we all gain weight as we get older. Uh, uh, and I think it's also critically important not to uh, to make this a disease, uh, except uh, if it really comes with negative uh, health consequences or other consequences uh, to the participant. Uh, uh, I mean, the world is gaining weight, uh, and we shouldn't necessarily, just because it's HIV, uh, put more emphasis on that compared to what is true in the rest of the population. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and Giovanni, then you, you've mentioned HOMA IR, which isn't a test necessary that all clinics do routinely because it requires measuring insulin, which for some centres will be a research rather than routine clinical test. So how can we best stratify how risky weight change is? For example, would somebody who's had an increase in weight, but for example, a normal hemoglobin A1C, which is certainly how we sort of screen for diabetes in the UK, would that kind of measure be sufficient to say, OK, someone's gained weight, but it's not causing metabolic harm at the moment? How can we best decide who's most at risk? Well, uh, let me say um, hemoglobin uh, uh, it's, it's somehow, uh, uh, A1C is somehow a late marker of a metabolic uh, derangement. And so I believe we need to go towards an early marker. And that's why I was looking insulin resistance, which is, uh, let us say, the initial of uh, the, the metabolic story coming across. If 
if I, first of all, we need somehow to reconsider to what extent, uh, uh, let us say, insulin should be considered within the panel of uh, the, 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 the test that we do in order to test metabolic health. But there is something at a clinical point of view that could be very useful. Uh, in uh, in uh, uh, the experience tells us uh, that insulin resistance is very much related to the way circumference. And so again, I believe that uh, we should do something more than just measuring the weight. We should definitely measure the weight circumference. Remember, this is uh, listed in uh, the issue to be assessed uh, in AIS guidelines uh, since a long time ago. And so I believe that central fat accumulation should be monitored and maybe even more important that the weight measurement. And final question to you, Jens. Do you think we're in a position where we can accurately predict who's going to gain the most weight or is it a conversation we must have with everybody? I'm afraid it's a conversation we need to have with everybody. There is non-treatment related risk factors. Uh, people who actually have a low BMI are at higher risk of gaining weight, which is supposedly is good because they come into the normal. We saw that females is more uh, prone to that compared to men and black compared to, uh, to Caucasians. Uh, so there is obviously some degree of ability to predict, uh, but I wouldn't translate that to the individual. Uh, so I would certainly argue that uh, you should obviously tell your patients uh, that this could happen, uh, uh, but you shouldn't say that it, ne it necessarily will. Brilliant. Well, thank you both so much for that discussion. Hopefully for the audience, we've highlighted some of the key metabolic issues. We've demonstrated that weight change is happening, but that's in the context of the whole world gaining weight. And there may not be things that are particularly unique to people living with HIV. So we should avoid pathologizing HIV related weight gain or rather weight gain in people with HIV, because it seems that it may be part of a general phenomenon rather than something necessarily HIV specific. So thank you so much to the panel for that discussion and thank you to everyone who's listened. Hello, I'm Laura Waters. I'm an HIV clinician from the Central and Northwest London NHS Trust in London. And welcome to this activity on managing metabolic health in people with HIV. We're gonna be focusing on how and who to treat who has a high metabolic risk. Joining me are two fabulous colleagues, Giovanni Guaraldi from the University of Modena and Reggio Emilia in Modena, Italy, and Jens Lundgren from the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. So to remind you all, metabolic complications in people with HIV are multifactorial and arise from a combination of individual, HIV and treatment related factors. We have established reasons to be concerned about the risks associated with weight gain and obesity in people with HIV because the harms of excess weight are well established. Obesity is linked to a higher risk of type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. So what do we do? We're going to explore some recent data and modifiable factors to improve assessment and management of metabolic health in people with HIV. So I shall hand over to Giovanni and Jens to talk us through some of that information. Well, Laura, this uh, uh, slide presented the data from SALSA. This is a phase three randomized trial comparing uh, switching to dolutegravir 3DC versus containing, uh, let us say, the baseline antiretroviral therapy. And uh, the figure really shows uh, the impact of TDF versus staph with regard of uh, the change in weight. 
And uh, you can see that really TDF reduced the risk of weight gain and uh, this protective effect is somehow lost whenever you switch to TAF. Nevertheless, uh, this, I believe, must be put in the context of the overall metabolic health impact of this antiretroviral switch. My concern is that we should not just consider weight gain, but put it in the context of, uh, let us say, a metabolic health that also regards uh, the lipid change, the bone metabolism, and the kidney metabolism change over time. So this important study from NAR Court uh, was assessing uh, whether different types of antiviral drugs were associated with instant uh, diabetes uh, mellitus. Uh, quite interestingly, uh, compared to people that was uh, started on a non-nucleoside uh, uh, RT inhibitor, uh, there was a trend for an increased risk of instant uh, diabetes for, uh, for, uh, for those who started integrase inhibitors, uh, but not significant uh, it was for PIs. Um, and if you look among the drugs uh, within the in integrase inhibitor class, uh, uh, the increase was more pronounced for people on uh, Valtecavir compared to uh, uh, Dolotecavir. Um, uh, if you take into account also the weight gain that was actually experienced uh, after you started on, the, on, on those uh, different uh, types of drugs, you see essentially a null effect, uh, uh, meaning that once you take account for weight in uh, increases that may happen, uh, you actually don't see uh, uh, a, a residual risk of diabetes once you take that into account. But given the fact that there was uh, very little effect to begin with, uh, one could debate how important that is. In response, there has been uh, several attempts to uh, assess uh, adverse uh, metabolic consequences uh, of starting people uh, on uh, integrase inhibitors. Uh, uh, in a study uh, focusing on dyslipidemia, uh, it was actually the occurrence of dyslipidemia was less common with integrase inhibitors than with uh, boosted PI. Um, and also, uh, uh, if you compare it within the integrase inhibitor class, uh, uh, Compared to dolotecavir, this epidemia is more common with elvetecavir uh, together with cubitistat and elvetecavir, but less common, common with the non-nucleoside vilpivirine. In terms of hypertension, uh, uh, integrase inhibitors were associated with a higher instance of hypertension than non-nucleosides, uh, but rates were similar uh, in those uh, compared to those with PIs. So not a clear uh, class effect. Uh, Quite strikingly, recently there was a report uh, that there may be a uh, increase, although quite uh, short-lived, uh, in excess risk of cardiovascular disease after you start an integrase inhibitor. Uh, in the in that study, uh, that effect uh, was present uh, in particular in the first six months after starting, and then uh, essentially it disappeared uh, with, within one to two years of using the drug. 
We don't understand whether this is actually due to the drug itself uh, or whether this is coming from other types of confounders in these observational studies and therefore this should be studied more further. So I think in conclusion it is important to understand that integration inhibitors is associated with uh, weight gain uh, but the actual metabolic consequences is still a live and active research area without complete clarity. Well, what have we got to do? First of all, it's uh, lifestyle management. You can see here which are the, let's say, good uh, uh, lifestyle habits that we may suggest. But nevertheless, I believe we need to contextualize in our patient experience. We must give best practice. We may somehow contextualize in people environment where they live and also their patient live experience. Then there's uh, the therapeutical management. In general, we do not have evidence that there's a benefit in antiretroviral switch, but nevertheless, this can be considered at an individual level. But of course, it's also important to con consider the weight gain in the context of other metabolic dearrangement. In, in particular, we needed to consider the use of lipid-lowering medication, but also how to prevent and treat uh, other comorbidities including type 2 diabetes, hypertension and cardiovascular disease. Thank you. So I think clear there that context is key. So let's have some discussion. I mean, can we better predict who's going to gain most weight? Jens, you know, who are the people that are going to run into difficulty and what should we be discussing with them? So we know that there is a number of non-HIV risk factors for weight gain uh, when you start on treatment to begin with, but also if you're switching to some of the drugs that uh, seems to be associated with the more accelerated weight gain. Uh, people with low BMI, uh, uh, females, uh, we talked about black people as well. And obviously there's some drugs as, as well uh, that can do that by themselves in addition to the other risk factors. I think my suggestion would be when you talk to patients around uh, what could happen, that you can you should tell point one that it can happen uh, if you are in those risk factor settings, but also that it doesn't necessarily will happen, uh, and therefore, uh, and I think Guarani will agree with me in that context as well. Say this is what the drug may and your risk factors may do, uh, but you also have an opportunity here for yourself to see whether you can modify that by the way you are approaching your know, living your life, uh, and if some of that is not necessarily optimal health-wise, maybe you should also consider whether some of that could change to a more optimized way. Yeah, thank you. So, so you know, really sort of detailed, supportive general advice. Giovanni, anything to, to add around predicting who will gain weight and, and what advice you'd offer? Yes, I, I, I want to stress the fact that really the baseline metabolic characteristic of the patient is key as well as their lifestyle. And so my suggestion is that something can be, should be done whenever we suggest any switch of antiretroviral therapy. We need to discuss this question with the patient, this issue with the patient, and we need to understand of an individualized process in which some patients are at higher risk, are at lower risk, but all should somehow engage better lifestyle in order to 
control their weight measurement, their weight circumference, and try to, uh, let us say, monitor metabolic health over time. And I guess we must remember that like many long-term health conditions, excess weight is also a condition associated with, with poverty and those socio-economic factors that can be so hard to address. And of course, the understanding that a healthy lifestyle is something that might be relatively luxurious to many. So coming back to the sort of final discussion, really, uh, I think around switching, because there's been a lot of focus initially on individual drug classes and drugs within those classes, a shift, as we've discussed, perhaps away from particular drugs being the culprits. You've got someone in front of you concerned that their HIV treatment is driving weight gain. Would you switch them? And if so, what to? So Giovanni, do you want to start? So as a general principle, as a public health approach, I would not recommend to switch, but rather to improve the metabolic health of the individual. Nevertheless, at an individual level, of course, I would consider in what time this weight gain actually happened and is it associated with some metabolic alteration that can be corrected. Imagine, for instance, the dyslipidemia. And so recognize that there are some drugs like boosted PI that are always been associated with, uh, with uh, increased lipid levels. On the contrary, there's a new generation INSTI that are totally lipid friendly. But on the other side, you need to recognize that also non-boosted regimen and non-boosted INSTI may also have been associated with weight gain regardless the lipid effect. And so it's a complex issue. You need to get into HIV history of each individual patient, but put in the context about their metabolic health status. Jens, what about you? Are you an advocate for antiretroviral switch? And if so, what do you recommend? I would be advocating for antiviral switch if I know that whatever I switch to will actually help the patient better than the drug that they are on as a fundamental principle in thinking, as opposed to doing something that you may think may help, but you actually can run into problems because whatever you switch to actually generate problems which the patient actually did not have. about metabolic, uh, as Giovanni was saying, and I agree with that, uh, that clearly if you have dyslipidemia, depending on drugs, uh, there may be some benefit from switching. There is some randomized evidence to support that uh, uh, in particular, uh, that I would argue uh, when it comes to weight gain by itself, the evidence so far, unfortunately, from benefiting from switching drugs, uh, that evidence is really lacking but it is an active research area and I'm sure we'll get more insight into this because it is a problem uh, for some people uh, and we need to find a way around that uh, because uh, for some it really becomes disturbing. Yeah, no, no, here, here. So to draw this to a close, thank you both for that discussion. I hope everyone who's been watching has found that helpful. I think to summarize, context is key. Weight gain alone isn't the thing to focus on. It's metabolic health in general. But if all this discussion about weight has made us better focus on people's metabolic health and also use those discussions to optimize therapy for other reasons, then ultimately that's a good thing. So we will finish there. Thank you very much. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.